Star Wars 7x7 episode 2803. It's an Obi day. It's Monday Obi day. And we are going to be talking about another story in the Obi-Wan Kenobi backstory that actually takes place one year before the events of the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. And it features a surprise guest at the end of the story. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So just the brief recap of what we're doing here on Mondays as we approach the date of the debut of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, we're going to be taking a look at some Obi-Wan Kenobi stories that may help inform and otherwise enhance the viewing experience of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We know that he will have been in the desert for 10 years by that point, but there have been things that have been happening to him in that intervening time, and so we're checking in on some of those things. And in this particular case, we're talking about issue 15 of the flagship Star Wars comic series from Marvel, the one that was released in 2015, and the deal with them is that there is a journal that Obi-Wan Kenobi kept while he was alone in the desert, and Luke, after the events of A New Hope, in going back to see if there's anything left at Obi-Wan's little hut on Tatooine to see if there's anything that can help him learn how to become a Jedi, discovers this journal and reads it, and the stories in the journal are what are being told in some of these one-shot sort of stories within the broader story arc of the Star Wars comic series. And this particular one, which actually doesn't have a title to it, it's just more from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi, is a relatively quiet episode, but it's also crucial in its way. So we get to see Obi-Wan actively watching over Luke, but in a way where he can't do anything to help the kid. Luke is actually racing a T-16 Skyhopper with all of his friends cheering him on, including Big Dark Lighter, and apparently there are various other you know, geological features on Tatooine to conquer before you get to the Beggar's Canyon situation. That seems to be the ultimate thing, and Luke is like, yeah, once I conquer this, I'll be able to conquer and go into space, but he doesn't conquer Beggar's Canyon this time. In fact, he wrecks the Skyhopper to the point where Uncle Owen says, yeah, you'll be flying again over my dead body, or actually is like, you know, like, you're <laughs> not going to fly again as long as I live. And as I mentioned at the top, this is taking place the year before the Kenobi series, so this is actually 10 ABY, which makes Luke nine years old doing this. And as Obi-Wan is observing Luke flying around in his skyhopper, he says, yeah, he really <laughs> looks like he's his father's son, and that's precisely what worries me. But with the Skyhopper damaged and the fact that Obi-Wan is not allowed to train Luke in the ways of the Force because Uncle Owen said, nope, you can't do it, stay away. Obi-Wan figures, like, I gotta help him somehow, and he's gonna have to learn to basically take care of himself, and one of the things he needs to continue learning to do is flying. But with the events that we talked about last week, where he was attacking Jabba's you know, tax collectors, water tax collectors, he's had to lay low and can't go into town. So the way he devises to help Luke, Luke says he can fix the Skyhopper, he just needs parts, but yeah, that's not happening with Owen. So <laughs> Obi-Wan makes a deal with the Jawas and offers 
them protection from raids that have been affecting them and basically says, if I help <laughs> drive off the raiders, then you'll give Luke the parts that he needs. And so it turns out that it's a bunch of Tuskins that have been attacking the Jawas. And so Obi-Wan gets into a fight with a bunch of Tuscan raiders and drives them off, has to do it without his lightsaber. So he basically uses the force to take one of their gaffy sticks away from them and then fights them off like that drives them off and there's a funny moment where he muses to himself that he has to think of an easier way to drive them off and this is as he's walking by the skeleton of a crate dragon obviously he's going to learn how to imitate that dragon's call in a new hope and so having done that the jawas gather the parts needed and the next time owen and luke are in town and are looking for droids and owen's saying like can you speak bocce so he's been looking for a droid that can speak bocce for quite a long time a couple of jawas walk over to luke and offer him a box and he's like oh we're just getting a droid we can't afford that and they just leave the box and he's like oh my gosh these are skyhopper parts it's great and so it looks like everything's wonderful but then later on obi-wan is in his little hut and there's a knock on the door and it's owen and he throws the box back at obi-wan and says i know what you've been up to there haven't been any tuscan attacks on our farm but everyone else has been attacked like for you know kilometers around us nobody's ever collected a water tax on us but we're the only house within you know a huge swath of land that hasn't been hit and now these randomly show up from some Jawas like I know what you're doing and you got to cut it out I want you to stay away from Luke entirely because you gave me to him you gave Luke to me to protect him and I'm protecting him from you because of how you warped his father like what a crazy oh yeah I mean I say it's crazy but I suppose from Owen's perspective it's not necessarily crazy it's just one way of looking at things and certainly Obi-Wan's record in the whole Clone Wars and you know how things went down I mean it's not necessarily perfect right and Obi-Wan's carrying a lot of guilt and Owen knows how to work that guilt so yeah I mean Obi-Wan's still going to be finding ways to keep Owen and Beru and Luke safe but Owen's really trying to push him away and keep him as uninvolved as possible and one of Owen's parting shots is that trouble always has a way of finding you, Obi-Wan specifically, and that it never really has to look very hard to do so. So, yeah, uh, that's definitely a fractious relationship. And it's you know cool to see how it is, like what the relationship is like now, a year before the events of the Kenobi series, so we can see what's going to be happening with them when they're face to face in the TV series. And speaking of trouble finding Kenobi, well, Jabba is still mad about his water tax collectors having been ambushed a year before. The drought's been over for a year, and yet Jabba is still holding a grudge, and so somebody's been hired to try to find out who did it. And this particular someone shows up at Jabba's palace demanding an exorbitant fee, and Jabba says, all right, well, let's see if you're worth the fee, and sends a bunch of Gamorrean guards after this person, and and the guards are summarily dispatched. So Jabba says, all right, yeah, I'll pay your fee. Now find this person, whoever did it. And the big reveal at the end is that it's Chrysanthemum, the Wookiee that we met in live action for the first time in the Book of Boba Fett. That's who Jabba is hiring to go hunt down whoever it was that ambushed his water tax collectors. 
And that is how the story ends. So there's a bit of a cliffhanger, if you will. And so the next story in these little one shots within the Star Wars series will involve Obi-Wan and Chrysanthemum having it out, which is going to be pretty fun to check out, I think. And that's something we'll be talking about next week, I imagine. And a couple other things just to share with you that I thought were fun. You know, after the fight with the Tuscans, Obi-Wan reflects that he you know, kind of needed the exercise, but he's kind of going, oh, my back, and why couldn't we have hidden Luke on a world that was full of natural hot springs? I thought that was pretty funny. And then the argument that Luke has, young Luke has with Uncle Owen about the Skyhopper and not wanting to be grounded, he says, you know, let me enter into the Anchorhead race and that he can win the money to pay for the parts for his Skyhopper. And he says, I'm the best bush pilot my age on all of Tatooine. And it's really kind of fascinating to see that particular situation and dynamic because at nine years old, Luke in this issue, in this story, is the very same age that Anakin is when we meet him in The Phantom Menace and he's saying he's the only human who can do pod races and he's you know, racing pods for money, for Watto, right? So it's the exact same kind of thing and just, you know, the next generation down, nine years old, best racer of his age and probably, you know, best human racer as well. I thought that was a cool little tidbit too. And yeah, wouldn't it be fun to see a 10 year old hot rod Luke Skywalker in the Kenobi series? I mean, if you've got Owen and Beru in this thing, it seems like a foregone conclusion that we're gonna see a young Luke as well, doesn't it? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed, I think that would be fun. And so there you go. That's what I've got for you about the Obi-Wan Kenobi story, the next one that we're talking about on these Monday Obi days. I like Obi day, after all, I think I'm sitting well with it. It kind of reminds me of the Oki day that Jar Jar says from time to time. And that is gonna do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.